Okay. So, so you're I, saying you uh you got a couple fucking days off of work now? Yeah. Uh my schedule is very <laughs> to the working man, it would seem very pitiful. <laughs> to me it's it's achievable. I have I work four days and I'm off three days. And most of those days I only work five hours. Uh, okay, so you're working twenty hour weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is what I call sustainable. That is sustainable while I'm living at a place that I don't pay for or the food yes. or yeah, you know, stuff. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Dude, do you think you're are you gonna do you think it'll ever get to the point where you have to start paying rent? No. I <laughs> Some parents do that shit, man. And I think it's it's kind of cold, but, you know, I kind of get it, too. I think it's a good way to teach your kids the value of money. But I think with me, I've always been a very, a very, like, kind of penny pincher dude. Like, I've never been very frivolous with my money. So my parents know that they don't have to teach me something like that. Yeah, you, you've, been, you've always been frugal. Yeah, I've I've never bought... like much of anything that i don't need and i am not the same (laughs) well it all went to my brother (laughs) my my dad always Uh, said okay my dad always said that if you put my brother in a store blindfolded him spun him around three times and let him go he'd always find the most expensive thing in the shop (laughs) dude i was grow i was the exact same way growing up and i and i I, i'll fully admit that i was really fucking spoiled as a kid well i'll be the first one to admit it i was lucky enough to be spoiled i recognize that it's lucky you know yeah but like i got like there was there was a few years like maybe three or four years in a row that for christmas i got a new guitar every year (laughs) and it's just because i wanted it i didn't need a new fucking guitar well sure you know like i'm fine with it i don't really need a lot of things to make me happy or to satisfy me, but we also need to live, you know, I also need to For get, sure. you know, I've, I've been thinking about using my stimulus on a new acoustic guitar. Cause I really like how mine is, but I feel like it's too big for me. <laughs> like I need, what do you have? Huh? What, what, uh, what guitar do you have? Oh God. I don't know. And <laughs> I, I, I never know anything about gear or any of that stuff. That's, it's not like a recognizable brand. No, I think it's just, it, it might be some off brand that I got at some little, little tiny guitar store that was about two rooms big, you know, mm, which are my favorite, but it's a great sound. Like I love how it sounds. It's like my favorite guitar for that, but the body is so big and it it feels like it's always a struggle just to play the dang thing, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I just want something smaller and just sounds worse but is easy to play so i can finally start my folk punk band oh you're thinking of doing a little uh fucking against me slash uh what was that band that was like so much like against me and of course i'm never gonna remember the names now so i'm not even gonna try it may be like thrice or uh no i wouldn't call thrice uh folk <laughs> punk <laughs> no i drop get murphy's maybe maybe uh maybe, flogging yeah. molly um yeah th- those two count mine is just like it's a it was a band that i don't know if they're really 
well known at all, but they the singer's voice reminded me so much of uh, Lauren Jane Grace's voice that I always kind of chalked it up to like they're really similar to Against Me, but I, I'll <laughs> never fucking remember their name. Uh, days and Days. That's my last shot in the dark. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, no, I'm I'm looking up uh, related bands to Against Me right now, and <laughs> it's not even on here. <laughs> well. I, I've always wanted to I have I have a whole list I have a whole laundry list of bands that I've wanted to start right you know in all different genres oh, yeah. and types and folk punk has always been on there and started with Will from Burn Band and he's on the he's on the big old like tub keg bass you know oh uh, hell yeah dude someone's someone's got a little little swishy thing washboard washboards yeah <laughs> Oh, you're talking about doing fucking backwater punk. Oh, I'm t- I'm talking about doing that, doing that kind of huck punk, dude. Huck punk, I love it. <laughs> Punkleberry Finn. But no, we have a we have a couple bands that we play with. Uh, uh, and I hate that I can't remember their names. It's like Stillhouse Growlers, I think, is one of them. And uh, you know, Days and Days is another that I'll pop by every once in a while and. Days and Days are like really popular in that little scene, man. Oh yeah, they're they're legends, man. And like, uh, never heard of them, and then I saw them a video of them playing at Kick Butt, and like everyone was singing along to like one of oh, their songs. Yeah. I guess they have a really popular song. Yeah. But I was like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, they just completely like never heard of them, and it seems to be that they are huge in a world that I don't know about. Dude, it's it's they're so big that there's a video of us Burn Band playing with them playing one of their songs and the video has 10,000 views on it. God damn, dude. When an average burn band video comes out to about 3 or 4. <laughs> <laughs> if Mortalis had any videos, it'd be the same. <laughs> like are they are they local? They're I believe they're from San Marcos. Okay. So, local enough, but, but they get around, you know. Yeah. They're they're one of those bands that can I think they just like kind of travel along in a van and just go all over the place. They're real sluts. They get around. Real, <laughs> yeah. real music sluts. Ugh. Well, I mean, yeah, dude. There's a lot of bands that I wish I could. I've always wanted to be in. Like, I've always wanted to be in a metalcore band, um, a punk band, like a real punk band. You know, not ska punk. Like legit punk. Ska band. punk is real punk. What are you talking about? <sighs> Well, on that note, also a real ska band. I was not an either. We were we were a ska band without horns. Uh, oh, pretty much all of shame. high school. I know it was a missed opportunity, but we made up with uh, having keyboard, so we'd play like horn Ooh. lines on the keyboard. Okay. And um, but yeah, man, it, like we were never like really legit third wave ska. Like I wanted to be real big fish. Um, <laughs> Who I doesn't? wanted to be yeah, I wanted to be bad religion. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and fucking uh, listening to the album that we're going to be talking about today made me realize that that was what I wanted. That was the, this is the quintessential like music that I really wanted to play after I heard this record. And like, it really took me back to high school and I was, and how much like this record, like blew my mind. So on that note, yeah. On that note, what's up buddies? And welcome to another episode of Earbuds, where two very good buds talk about a very good album for a very good amount of time. Wow, I like that you've taken that on. I loved it. 
<laughs> we uh, we talk about what we like, what we didn't like, and honestly, very good albums is subjective. Sometimes we we both don't like what we're talking about. <laughs> very rarely, I'd say. <laughs> we are the odd couple of podcasts, or what everyone else likes to call us, the pod couple <laughs> of oddcasts. We are me, Lucas Interkovs, and you, Brett, the locust Hanrahan. The locust? Yeah, you're the locust. I'm, I'm a plague now? Well, you know, it just, yeah. <laughs> okay. <It's> <laughs> I got a, no defense for it. I mean. I wasn't prepared. I wouldn't be lying if I didn't say I didn't feel like a type of plague today. I feel like I yeah. could go and stir some trouble, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you're going to start some trouble on this episode because we're going to be talking about an album called The Artist in the Ambulance by one of my favorite bands, probably top 10 favorite bands, Thrice. Man, just uh, learning new stuff about you every day, man. I I had very sparsely heard of this band and just discovering that they're one of your favorites. You put them, we have a little list of albums we want to get to and you put, I think, two of their albums on there. Mm-hmm. Which I think I put this one and Viesu, maybe. And I, I think that might be the only band. There might be one or two others, but like it might be the only band where you put two albums from the same band. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I think um, <clears throat> I think I put another King Gizzard album on there, like my favorite one by them. Because I really Polygon Wanna Land. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a good one i probably shouldn't be drinking fucking sparkling water i'm gonna be burping this whole episode but whatever <laughs> um but yeah man this this record uh and this band they've they've changed so much throughout the years too um that yeah. that kind of is what keeps them so fresh for me um because their first two records before this one were very much just like hardcore punk kind of mixed with pop punk more than anything else um and i never got into them i i knew of them before this record came out and so when I saw that this, when this record came out, I think I was 2003. So I was a sophomore maybe in high school or maybe a junior. And I was like, ah, whatever thrice. I never really liked them. I had buddies who who were really into the first two records and I just couldn't get into it. I wasn't into music that was like that loud at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one came out and it just, it, it like combined punk with like metalcore that yeah. I thought was one of the coolest like combinations I've heard in a while. And I think like it's really hard to classify this record because like people call it post hardcore, people call it melodic hardcore, but then people also say that there's emo and pop punk and hardcore punk and thrash, all of that mixed in together and sometimes even in the same song. Well, yeah, the truth of the matter is it's kind of all those things and in, in various amounts, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's, and, uh, they have evolved since then to um, to be more of, I would say, an alternative rock band. Really? Um, yeah. I would say they've gotten a little more more artistry in their music, mm-hmm. a little more... Um, like, this album, I just think, is, like, so brutal. <laughs> that <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, going from that to, like, what they just released, you know, in the last couple of years, I think, like, Blood in the Sand, I think, is one of the albums... Uh, they they went to more more of an artsy, art metal you know alternative sound. But this is like, the this is the thrice that I love this record. Mm. And was the one after this kind of a little more similar, or did they? Yeah, they yeah I would say like so. 
let me go into their discography here. The Artist <laughs> in the Ambulance, and then after that, they came out with Viesu, which I think was like kind of more of the same, but um, they started getting more into their artsy stuff where they were allowing themselves to be, it's still really heavy, but they were allowing themselves to have some like breath, a little more space in okay. their music. Right. Um, they're out, their songs just became longer also like they weren't as like three and a half minute just fucking like Mm -hmm. just nonstop for three and a half minutes like they started going to four minutes and five minutes and kind of like you know stretching it out and as they went on like they they um one of the cooler things that they released throughout their whole career was called the alchemy index and so it was four volumes it was essentially four eps oh okay and it was the first two were fire and water and the second two were air and earth. So fire. They just watched Avatar The Last Airbender. They, dude, yeah, they watched that and Korra, the <laughs> whatever that one was called. And um, Korra, they, the yeah. other last airbender. Yeah, what was it? What's that one called? Korra? It's just The Legend of Korra. The Legend of Korra, okay. Yeah. Uh, I need to fucking get into that one. I'm like in the second season of The Last Airbender and it's so dope. It's, oh, dude. It, it, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are, it's very controversial, The Legend of Korra. I'll say that. Really? I, I thought I, it seemed like universally liked. From what I've seen, people love it or they despise it, and there's little to no in between. Is it the same writers? It's all the same people, right? I believe so. Yeah. I think it. the only difference was uh, they didn't know how many seasons they were going to get. So they did season one. And at the end of season one, they're like, okay, we're going to give you a season two. They're like, okay. And then oh, wow. And it just went on like that for, I think, four seasons. So, so they were every season kind of wrapped up the story and then they yeah, it was came a back lot, with like new shit. Yeah, it was a lot mm. more. Uh, it was a lot, I guess, not smaller, but the entirety of The Last Airbender is kind of this one storyline with this one main villain. And yeah. all the seasons lead up to that while Korra is a little more uh, not episodic, but. Yeah, kinda, it was hmm, like each season st- stand alone. Yeah, as and its own story, it, things will progress and there will de- be developments throughout the seasons. But there's like a, it's like a new villain every season. It's like a, a like a new concept every season, which is some people love, some people hate. Yeah, I could see both sides of it. I think I would like that. I'm excited to to get through Airbender and and go to Legends of Korra because I think uh, I think I'm gonna like that. Yeah, dude, it, it friggin' watch it and tell me tell me what you think. Never thought I would like it at all. I I didn't. Really? I totally dismissed the show until um, me and Christina started because it was popular, and, obviously. And it's <laughs> anime, so like I've never really been yeah. into that, you know. And my cousin, who was like super deep into anime, loved The Last Airbender, and I'm just like, eh, it's probably lame. I'm like, I don't no, know. I, I I didn't like the idea, and then Christina told me how much that she loved that show. And I was so surprised by that because Christina is not a TV movie person. So I'm like, if you really like this, it must be fucking good. And then we started watching it and immediately I loved it. Oh dude. It's, I think it might be, I think it's objectively one of the best cartoon series ever made. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even done with it. And I, I agree. (laughs) It's very few series rival what they went for and achieved. You know? Yeah, the character development and the world that they build is just like, oh, it's, it's so good. 
it's insane and uh there's i think they were working on another either reboot or movie or something for avatar and then the creator split off from that and now they've made their own studio called avatar studios i think oh okay and so i'm very excited to see what they have rolling out there yeah, that's going to be... Uh, I thought there was Studio Gib- Ghibli or Ghibli, but that's something totally different, right? <laughs> no, that's completely different. That's totally different. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But that's so, kids' shit too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's classic. Like Princess Mononoke? Princess Mononoke. Yeah. Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Uh, one of the best anime movies of all time. Have you seen Akira? You know, I for all the anime I've seen, I have not watched Akira. Dude, that was the first anime anything I've ever seen, and it's so no, fucking cool. It was basically what, what, like how anime became so popular in America was like that movie in particular. The animation is insane in that movie. Like, oh yeah, for it's sure, it's incredible, and it's so trippy. Yeah, which it surprises me that it caught on to so many Americans that something so weird right off the bat just was wild was such a favorite for people but you know hey and if they like it i like it yeah and i mean clearly the last airbender inspired the alchemy index by thrice um (laughs) which we're uh, getting back to which we're getting back to and what i just wanted to say because like the first volume is fire and water i think the concept of all this is really cool because fire is by far the heaviest shit that they've ever written and it's really so nasty and gritty and and distorted and it's like fucking crazy and then on the same you know uh, basically the b-side is water and water is this like all electronic oh like fucking really like spacey and quiet and like emotional and really great and then air and earth is like earth i think is all acoustic driven oh and just like folky and air is a little more like kind of again like allowing themselves to breathe in these songs and just having these like really kind of spacey um soundscapey stuff and it's like since then like i think the alchemy index like steered where they went for the rest of their career because everything after that was just a combination of all of it mm. and so they incorporated all the the stuff, all the electronic stuff that they did, the heavy shit, um, and the more kind of like art pop or art rock type of stuff that they were doing and just kind of put it all together. And since then, they've just been, it's just been good album after good album. They, ha- they haven't released a bad record. But th- that being said, the artists in the ambience, this is the era of Thrice that you personally most enjoy. I just like, I was drunk listening to this the other night and I had so many moments. <laughs> so many times uh, like because it's kind of like dub side and like resignation like there are so many moments where this album was present in my life you know and specific friends that i listened to this record to with a lot so like tons of memories of driving around in our cars and you know jamming out to this and like i i air drummed a lot in like when mm-hmm. i was younger so this is a huge air drumming record for me the drums are sure. fucking incredible on this album. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, you clearly you know how I fucking feel about this. So, um, what did you like? What did you think about this? Like as you were listening to it, I really like this record, man. 
I'm I'm about it. At first, I was a little hesitant because, yeah. uh, I don't know. This type of music is all kind of thrown into one corner for me, and I don't know. Just like this, this, the core corner <laughs> where everything yeah. core gets pushed into. Yep. Uh, but as I listen to the album more, much like all the albums we do here, I try to listen to it, you know, three, four or five times before we record. The more I listen to it, the more I was able to kind of piece it, take certain pieces of these songs and the elements and kind of separate it from everything else and enjoy it for what it was. And I really appreciate the combination of those hardcore elements, those pop punk elements the punk stuff that comes in i like the vocalist a lot i think awesome right dustin's voice is incredible oh yeah he's he does have like one of those like clear disney channel voices (laughs) when he wants to but his uh screaming is also top notch i Uh, I loved it it sounds so real like Like, when i'm oh dude i'm i'm kind of listening to the album now and i just got the silhouette Oh, and dude, that just chorus. I oh, oh, that's that's was such an easy choice nug for me to pick. Really, it just like that oh, man silhouette was like one of those that like I wrote in my notes. This riff changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> and like Jeez. even in that like when they're when they start doing that, da-na-na-na-na, da-na-na-na, yeah, yeah, just the the little things that the drummer does that like every time I listen to the song, I have to do it. Like in the beginning where he does that <laughs> double snare hit, the cut to cut to your eyes. But yeah. like, I have to, I have to drum along to that whole fucking song, man. This is a very, this is a very headbang friendly song uh, and very yeah, air drum tempo. friendly song. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's something that I was a little concerned about, especially after talking um, about At All Cost. Then I'm like, fuck, man, I forgot Brett doesn't really dig metalcore. And I wasn't really thinking about it until I listened to this the other night that this is kind of a metalcore record. Like, it leans I, heavily on that. I'd say not at all in the way At All Cost is. For sure. Like, those are two totally different vibes but, yeah, but it kind of starts the same way, right? I feel like this album just fucking starts. <laughs> it's yeah, so heavy and so with melodic, the, with the like vocals, right away. They are sick, and it just goes straight into the music. I I love that stuff, man. I love coming in with a bang like that. Yeah, I appreciate it, and it definitely wasn't as off-putting as the beginning of At All Costs, uh, as that record was. <laughs> Circle of Demons. That's that's a that's a tough intro. Yeah, yeah. But, this one is like, honestly, if you don't like heavy music, you're also not going to like the way this album starts. But well, if you, sure. If, if you don't like heavy music, you're not going to like this record. Like, I don't think you could go from a pop punk fan to this. No, there, there's, I think there's like one or two songs a pop punk fan will like on this record. But the the album, the, the, what is it? The, 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 the artist in the ambulance for sure. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that—that that is like the most pop punk intro, right? With so the with the muted palm muted guitar and the vocals and yeah. Oh <laughs> my god! It made me laugh. It used to be one of my favorites, and it kind of made me laugh a little bit when I was listening to it again. 
My world goes black before I feel an angel lift me up. Like, it's, it's kind of, so... I, I mean, I love it. I love, I love how, like, pop punk it lets itself be, you know? Yeah, pop punk is, like, self-aware, at least. Uh, but but yeah, the as energy far as the, doesn't really let up the whole record. No, really, there isn't... There, there are a couple moments, there are a couple outros that kind mm-hmm. of give you a chance to breathe and kind of realign. But aside from that, there isn't... There aren't really any songs that take their time i guess (laughs) yeah no right there's there's not a lot of fat on the songs like um and and what's funny is that those outros i feel like are what a lot of their songs sound like now really yeah like they that's where the what i mean where like the artistry kind of comes in a little bit more because i feel like this is just such heavy music and obviously like everyone's doing a killer job Right, like the guitars yeah. are fucking killing it. The yeah. bass, I love how the bass is like so fucking front and center on this whole record. Oh, dude, there there is some choice bass parts on this album. Yeah, dude. Even on like, I would say there's maybe one or two songs that like I would say are my least favorite, even though I still like them. Yeah, and it's and those songs both have like badass bass parts. Yeah, uh, like uh, ones in particular, "Stare at the Sun." When yep. the uh, vocals come in, it's just the bass just doing a freaking... Yeah, badass, dude. And uh, the bridge on Paper Tiger also has uh, a very cool bass part. And I've, I, I've realized through this album that I think the main thing I don't like about metal music and all its subgenres is how noty the guitars can be sometimes. Noty? Yeah, just like, you know? Uh-huh, yep. And I've found that a bass part being noty has never gotten on my bad side. Like, I love noty bass parts, but not noty guitar parts for some reason. Dude, the the uh, ska bass is one of my favorite parts of ska, and that's noty <laughs> as fuck. For sure. Yeah. Uh yeah, the the lead guitarist of this band is such a fucking badass dude and he does a, a lot of the keyboard stuff too. And I feel like he kind of has these things that he like relies on. He has similar guitar parts in a lot of these songs. And he does a lot of these kind of like sweeping, not not like guitar sweeps, but these like a lot of slides. Like uh-huh. he'll slide up and he'll use delay and reverb to kind of like create this kind of movement with it just kind of playing a few notes and sliding around on this guitar. But it's just so fucking effective, and it adds so much. Like, it never takes away from anything else. He's yeah. never trying to steal the spotlight, you know, as a lead guitarist. Which which is another thing that uh, kind of gets to me on in metal, is that such a heavy emphasis on guitar all the time. Yeah. Right? But on this album, it's you could even say it's kind of buried at times. It's, it's supplemental. Yeah. And so the the guitar parts never annoyed me. And whenever I listened specifically for them, I always found, oh, that's that's cool. I, I kind of didn't notice that you were doing that, bud. Right? It blends in really, really well. Um, uh, like, there's there's one song where he's doing a riff that I really liked. Uh, God, I can't remember it right now. It was kind of in the middle of the song, uh, a slower part. Was it blood clots? I like his stuff. The stuff that he did on all that's left. 
he does this like like this kind of like really cool just like it's simple it's not like musical masturbation like so much fucking metal is right yeah and um and dude these are this is a band that i've also seen live like probably more than five times (laughs) and they tour like a motherfucker and they come to austin like twice a year really it's it was nobody likes coming to austin these guys have i feel like austin must be one of their better cities because they come here all the time and they play emos every time and i think uh last time i saw them was for their uh not palms it was for for one of the the later records and it's just they 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 have such a deep catalog now that it's so fucking fun to listen to this shit. Uh, and it's so fun to see them live and like the energy that they have live for, they play for almost two hours and no one lets up, dude. The crowd doesn't let up. They don't fucking let up. Um, and I just like, I feel like, you know, going back to this record, like, and all the different musicians, like everyone is just so fucking killer on this record. And I was wondering, like as a drummer, did you love the drums as much as I did on this? As a drummer, I I don't know. I didn't really have any negative thoughts about it, but they also didn't pop out at me too often. So there weren't a lot of moments where you were like, ooh, like just a little fill or something, you know? There were there were a couple parts. Uh, I believe at the end of Hoods on Peregrine. Mm. Or Peregrine. He does some cool stuff. He does the... The, like the typical like uh i don't know what it's called but it's just yeah dude you know the rolls or whatever i wrote yeah. in, in all caps this fucking drummer at the end of that song i was like dude he just like he has those those small moments where he gets to shine and i thought the only saving grace if you didn't really like this record was that their use of double bass is it's reserved it's yeah. restrained yeah, I, I wrote in my notes, it's a very, you know, very, I can always appreciate a tasteful double kick, and I can always appreciate a drummer who doesn't feel like he needs to show off all the time. For sure. You know, he, like he's in any, the pocket. Any day of the week, I'll prefer a guy who just doesn't do any fills and just stays on beat and does what the song needs than a dude who just won't stop just doing fills and just crashes and yeah. all that stuff. It's like you watch those like drumming videos on YouTube and you're just like, God damn, these, these guys are incredible. But oh, then yeah. at the same time, you're just like, it's, it, it does kind of wear down on you a little bit. It becomes like taxing to listen to it. <laughs> and this guy is just killing it the whole song. And it's just like, he, he, and this, I remember talking about this on the at all cost record uh, or episode that I said that this album is one of those that this guy is so restrained with his double bass, and I wish that he would do more because it's always my favorite parts. <laughs> well, that's why he does it in those parts, baby. Yeah. yeah, he keeps me wanting more, man. And it's so like he he chooses the the perfect moments, and it's usually like in a lot of outros, they'll like they'll they'll end the song super heavy, yeah, and he'll just fucking yeah. do double bass for ten seconds, and then that's it. And it's strong. Yeah, for sure. He, the the way I could just tell he's smacking these drums in this studio, man. Right, the way dude. This it sounds snare like snare and this kick sounds. 
That's what I mean. Just, that 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 intro of silhouette, dude. That yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was listening to. Uh, he's just like hitting that fucking crash or that ride or whatever and just smacking the shit out of the snare. Oh, uh, yeah. Sheesh. Oy vey. Oy vey. And, and again, like Dustin's vocals, dude. He He's like incredible. Not just his vocals, but his lyrics. Like this is an album that I've listened to hundreds of times and I never looked up the lyrics. Really? So I'm just kind of guessing as I'm going through it, you know? And <laughs> Sure. Sitting down with the lyrics, um, and Genius had some cool annotations too, genius.com, on like what yeah. some of this might mean. Yeah. But um, his lyrics are just, he, he's a he, he's really talented songwriter. It's, you know, whenever you, whenever you look up lyrics for a band that you don't really know, I didn't really, I don't really know how popular these guys are. I was worried that it would just be the lyrics and no annotations whatsoever. Yeah. You know, but nearly every song had like a summary of what the song could have been about. And nearly every song had annotations on the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, goes to show that people care about these guys and uh, they have over a million monthly listeners on Spotify. Well, that'll do you They're Yeah. They're, they're out there, man. They're big. They just don't seem to be mainstream oddly enough, but they have so much mainstream appeal. Well, it's, you know, before I listen to this album, I've heard of them, but I've only heard one song, uh, which is on this album, which I'll get to later. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Before we get into our choice, choice nugs, there's just like a couple, a couple other things I wanted to like, kind of call out where like, well, yeah, the, <laughs> what, what's up? Uh, you were just about to get into the lyrics and I totally interrupted you. Yeah. So, so let's dive into those a little more. Yeah. So like, um, some of the content, the lyrical content and the themes like caught me by surprise because again, like I'm just kind of making up my own lyrics sometimes when I'm listening to this. So like going <laughs> right. in and seeing what he actually was saying and, and what he's trying to convey, uh, it's cool. It's like he, there's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of zeitgeist, like 2000 era, 2003 era stuff, right? Like, uh, anti-government, anti-war sentiments, you know? Sure. Yeah. A lot of a lot of talk about like authority figures having too much power, um, dumbing down the population, controlling us through distraction. That's all that Hoods on Peregrine's about. Yeah, um, they're about the the media and how we're you know getting misinformation. Yeah, they're they're feeding us the news that the version of the news that they want us to know, and yeah. the people who are really in the know are too far and, and far like few and far between. And they, it's too few people that actually know what's really going on in the world to where like the, those, there's too much power in the hands of too few people. And yeah. I think that was like a thread that kind of like went, th- like weaved itself throughout a lot of these songs. And like, not just that, but like songs about, you know, being vulnerable as a, as an artist being yeah. vulnerable as a man, you know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about, addiction and not necessarily addiction to drugs or alcohol. It's just kind of addiction to, um, like we were saying before, like to media and to feeling like you can't, you feel kind of helpless a lot. Right. And like this, this feeling of like, is this really what life is? Like, is this really what I have to to look forward to? And I think that's like another theme that kind of threads throughout all these songs too. And, I, I thought that was really, you know, it made me appreciate this this album 
even more. And it made me really appreciate Dustin Kensrue, uh, the singer and songwriter, like a, a lot more. Like he, he's a really, uh, talk about being able to stay on theme with your lyrics, like song by song. Mm, yeah. He has, he knows what he's trying to get across and it's like, he doesn't kind of just throw in a line for no reason, which I think is, is really impressive. He's, he is the antithesis of you and drips. hundred percent. Uh, the Bronx. hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Yeah. And, uh, and oh my God, what a super group that would be. The Bronx and thrice. Oh, <laughs> Hey, maybe we can get them together. I think they listen to this podcast. Yeah. I'll send so. them a note. Yeah, just send him like a Google invite or something. Yeah, but sure. also like under the Killing Moon, which is a great fucking song. Uh, it's about the fucking Salem witch trials. I had no goddamn idea that it was about that when I was. How could you not? He literally says like, burn, the, "Let the witches burn." Watch the witches burn. I thought he was saying engines. Well, that's pretty cool too. And watch your red jets burn. That's what I thought he was saying. I didn't know he was saying witches. <laughs> Well, in any case, yeah, he 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 does the Salem witch trials. He did the uh, story of what's his face who flew too close to the sun, uh, Icarus and Daedalus. Yeah, yep. yeah. On the melting uh, point of wax, that's a great song. And I th- I think it's cool that you can give yourself the the freedom to just kind of go off and maybe just tell a story, and tell someone else's story. Yeah, and, and he uses and, uh, a lot of Christian themes, right? Yeah. Uh, I read on here he's like openly Christian and mm. while reading the lyrics of this album he seems very like book book learned right he, he he seems like a very intelligent guy he does and he seems to also um be very well versed on the bible and on religion I think he pulls out a bible verse in, in one of these songs um under a killing moon would be my bet <laughs> <laughs> probably uh i know i wrote it down somewhere but yeah you know and it's it, on that note like i definitely i didn't pick up on that so much on this record and viesu but definitely as thrice continued on in their career and especially in dustin's solo stuff that that religious christianity devout stuff really comes out a lot more and it's never preachy which i appreciate yeah He's not trying to get me to join a youth group. You know, he's just kind of <laughs> well, like, this is, yeah, this is my belief. And he's just putting it into a song. But, and I know this is probably going to offend some people, but there's always a part of me that when there's an artist or a musician or an actor or someone that I admire, um, when I find out that they're either addicted to drugs or they're like alcoholics or they're assholes or they're like devout religious. I, I there's, I'm always slightly disappointed. Dude. How many musicians aren't one of those things? I, well, when I was a Are kid, you kidding me, dude, when I was a kid, I had rose colored glasses, like with everything, <laughs> dude. So like, you know, like when I, when I found out that Matt Embry, you know, was struggling with like addiction, there was a slight, feeling of like oh man like I, the someone i look up to is flawed you know and i'm not saying that like religious like anyone who's devout is flawed it's that's not the case but like i am not religious at all and to me there is an aspect of religion that's like kind of nutty a little bit and so sure. when i find out that 
when I found out that Dustin was like so devout, there was a slight tinge of like disappointment and like, fuck man, I need to go back and revisit some of this dude's music to be like, is he fucking indoctrinating me? <laughs> well, you weren't listening to the lyrics anyway, so no, I wasn't. Um, but I definitely <laughs> picked up, I mean, you know, and, and the, the man, what's it called? The fucking album song. What? The, the the artist in the ambulance the titular is that what it is the titular yeah the titular the uh yeah that's a good way to put yeah, it yeah that that when i first heard that I, it was pretty clear that there's a lot of christian um allegory and and you know references to stuff on that song and to me i was just like yeah he's talking about dying like big surprise like people talk about religion a lot when they're dying yeah. But then as it kind of, as their career played out and especially with the, like I said, with his solo stuff, I'm just like, Oh no, this dude's like a for sure devout Catholic or devout Christian. And it was a bit of a bummer when I found that out. <laughs> yeah. But how much of that actually comes through in the music? You know, there, there's a good amount and he, he references it sometimes, but I don't think it's enough to actually turn you off of a song. No, definitely not. And like I said, he doesn't get preachy. Like I, I, I don't think he's trying to like get me to fucking donate money to the church. So <laughs> I appreciate that much. And it doesn't seem like his religion has, um, it, it, you know, for someone like me who is not anti-religion, but I'm definitely not religious at all for it not to push me away and like turn me off from the band that tells you like how well he handles that and that he doesn't really shove it in your face at all. Right. Because there's a lot. I mean, some of the best metal core is Christian. Some of the best metal core bands are fucking Christian bands out, you know, out Christians. Like they are very like outspoken Christians. And, um, you know, I kind of had to get over that too. Cause I'm just like, who knew fucking Christians could write such badass fucking metal core music. But there are some of those bands that are like literally screaming Jesus, you know, during some of their songs. Well, look, every guy's got a gent for Jesus every once in a while, you know? Uh, I wish there was a compilation called Gents for Jesus. I'm, there must be. If there's an album called Scalaluya that I picked up at a Goodwill, what? thinking it'd be a ska comp and not a Christian ska comp, then there must be a gent for Jesus. <laughs> that is a great, uh, that's one of my favorite parts of ska music is the puns. Oh, dude. It's like they can't do anything unless it's some kind of pun or joke. I love it, dude. I'm <laughs> guessing Five Iron Frenzy was on there. I don't know. I I figured out it was a Christian ska album and I just didn't listen to it. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. Five Iron Frenzy is, is a great Christian ska band. I think OC Supertones are also Christian. Um but yeah, man. Yeah, it's and I, and again, like it's no like offense to anyone, even though I'm sure it's gonna offend some people, but it's there is a slight like moment I'm just like oh man like the guy I look up to a lot like believes in this fucking crazy shit that I don't believe in I'm just like damn that that changes well, my perception a little yeah but everybody's perspective of religion is different right so just because he says he's a devout Christian doesn't mean he's like Westboro Baptist Church or anything those people are not Christian let's be real I mean yeah those those people are just Christian. Yeah, I think Christian. I like that. I think, um, yeah, I think it's definitely like, you know, in the artist in the ambulance, what that song is basically talking about is like someone that's almost, almost died from a car wreck and he strives to, he kind of makes up his mind that he wants to live a better life and live a fuller life 
as a payback for the person for a medic saving his life. Yeah. He's like, let me make your effort of like saving my life into um, making sure that I live my life the best way I can and that I'm the best person I can be. And I think that's a really, that's what Christianity I think at the core is really all about. Yeah. Well, it's that. And uh, I, I believe he also feels that maybe he can be the person in the ambulance saving someone else with his music. Yeah, he does. Tie, I think like um, it seems like he's talking about the responsibility that he has as an artist. Like he's no longer yeah. he's more than just a musician or a guitarist or a singer. He's now an artist that can also save people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really that's really cool. Yeah, I can support that. There's there's aspects of religion that I can support for sure. And it seems like he has a healthy handle on it, even though I've heard from a friend of mine that. He's been doing live streams and has said some kind of weird shit in the last year on his live streams. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that though. It, it, there, there's a certain level of fame you get to where something's gonna happen. You, yeah. Like you're something. You're doing something nasty. Uh, <laughs> but whatever. I've accepted that, and I've. I feel like I listened to this album, and I liked it. I read the lyrics, and I liked them. And then I found out he was Christian. You know, like a devout Christian. And I feel like if you don't like realize it while listening to the music, then it shouldn't really affect that much, you know, unless you you're listening to it and like, Oh my God, this dude won't stop talking about this. You yeah. Know, like, like fly leaf or, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Some, some other well, like, band. uh, like under oath. Like, yeah. 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 Where it's like, okay. All right. Y'all can talk about other stuff though. I think it's you under know, oath. Well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause like, yeah, the themes and the, and the, the stuff that he's, that they're talking about on this record are so much more universal than any, than religion. But yeah. I'm pretty sure under oath is the band that like in one of their songs, the singer's going, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh and boy. I'm, I'm sure Jesus appreciates that. <laughs> yeah, You know, like gents for Jesus, man. Uh, I wish he so, still had that Scalabria <laughs> album. I would love to listen to it. Dude. If not, we'll make it. <laughs> Dude, and, and before we get into the choice nugs too, um, I had to look up the producer on this album because I'm just like, this guy must have done some other really good stuff. I believe it. Uh, go on, because I might be thinking of something else. Well, um, he, the guy, his name is Brian McTiernan, McTiernan, and I want to say uh, he, he was in a in a kind of a big deal hardcore punk band called Battery before he started doing yeah. production. Yeah, and then he made Salad Days Studios. And uh, is that you, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Do you know uh, like what other artists are on Salad Days? Uh, gosh, I believe Minor Threat. Oh was shit! Somehow involved with it. I could be completely wrong. Uh, gosh, I'd have to do a whole. Yeah, look into it. Yeah, uh, we can come back to it. But yeah, this guy has produced like Circus Survive, Senses Fail. What else do we have on here? Uh, he, he produced one of my favorite hot water music songs called Trusty Chords. Uh, Turnstile and Turnstile is like a, I think a New York hardcore band. Yeah. I've, I've heard about Turnstile recently. I think I listened to one of their, I think I listened to one of their albums for my album of the day reviews last year and I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, he's done, he's done a lot of like in the punk and hardcore scene and it's all been quality shit. Converge. Yeah. Okay. It was uh. It was named after a Minor Threat song. 
Oh, okay. It's called Salad Days. I, I thought for some reason they had a connection, but I, I don't think so. So it's like uh, a little homage. Yeah, a little homage. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty big deal studio. I should look into it, man. Because if, 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 this, if this dude established it, then I'm probably going to like a lot of the bands on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we should get into our nugs, man. Dude, so I have, uh, I have two, two top nugs and two extra nugs. <laughs> and I'm only going to talk about my two tops and, and I, I picked the other two nugs just in case one of them was one of your nugs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and list mine. And then you list yours then. Sweet. Okay. So, uh, my Narnugs are, for some reason, I don't plan on this, but they're right next to each other. It's Stare at the Sun and Paper Tigers. Okay. And Stare at the Sun is is probably my least favorite song on the record. Dang. But I still well, the love thing it. With, the thing with Stare at the Sun is that it was on the SSX3 soundtrack. Ah, so you have a connection And SSX3... Is one of my favorite games of all time. What is SXX3? It's a... Uh, gosh, I don't know what it stands for. But yeah, it's a snowboarding. It's the sequel to SSX Tricky. Which, I don't know if Not you've heard SSX2? about. Not SSX2? No, they they were too cool for that. Oh, tricky, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, yeah, I feel like I'd never heard of it. And somehow I knew it was snowboarding. So maybe I have heard of it. <laughs> it's, it's a great snowboarding game. It's one of my favorite games. I grew up with it. And I unintentionally listen to stare at the sun a lot of times because of it and so it was weird because i was like i was listening to this album and i was like wait i i know this song wait i really know this song dude so that was that kind of like the tony hawk of snowboarding games uh yeah i i'd say so it was the most successful snowboarding franchise you know what dude video games and in a certain era had fucking awesome music on it Crazy Taxi is where I first really heard Offspring oh, yeah. and Bad Religion. Yeah, for sure. They had the whole Grey Race record on a Bad Religion on Crazy Taxi, and I was just like, those became. I was a fan of Bad Religion before I even knew who they were. Dude, NCAA 2006 has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. One of the best like copy copyright soundtracks I've ever heard on a video game, and it's just like a random college football game that my brother got Ooh, they have a ton it has like some of my it has some of my favorite songs of all time on it dude yeah and it's it's kind of all over the place too they have some de la soul they got the clash it's got a it's got friggin the mr t experience with more than toast it's got uh hyper enough it's got it's got no effects it's got pixies the pie tasters another good spot band it's it's so good i think it must be something with like it's harder for games to get copyrighted soundtracks right right it must have just gotten harder in the last decade or something because i you never hear about games like that anymore unless it's a tony hawk game Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like a lot of games now are just like studios are just like full full on studios so like they compose their own music and they actually work with like composers and shit to like make songs for this. Oh yeah. There's, there's, I I don't know if I, if I'll hear bad religion on a fucking video game anytime soon. (laughs) 
No, I don't. No, but not anytime like, soon. What the fuck are the pie tasters doing on this on this game? The pie tasters are like oh, a no dude. name ska band. Stead all night, I wanna ride each time I. <laughs> oh, such a good song, dude. Yeah, the pie tasters were were low key one of my favorite ska bands. Dude, if we could do a soundtrack, I think that would be Ooh. mine. Uh, my friend actually had. <laughs> my friend actually wanted to do the soundtrack for a video game that I've now forgotten. But was it one of the Hawks? No, it wasn't one of the Hawks. It was. It, it maybe it was Undertale or Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Scott Pilgrim I has can't. an amazing soundtrack. Oh, dude, Anamanaguchi is killer. Um, the the Pigeon Detectives, their cover of that Sade song is like incredible on that record. And all the stuff that Beck wrote. Ah, we're talking about two different soundtracks. Oh, I'm talking about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the movie. I'm talking about the game. Oh, there's a game. <laughs> but but that goes to show you, those guys knew how to get some music together. God damn, dude. Did you ever watch the movie? Oh, yeah. I love the movie, oh, man. I love that movie, I, dude. I read the the graphic novels i read the comics i played through the video game is the video a, game a, good oh dude it's great it's like uh river city ransom if you've ever played it no it's just kind of a side scrolling beat em up pixel art with great music by Anamonaguchi, which is an 8 bit rock band ooh i love 8 bit shit man when it's well done dude listen to that listen to that soundtrack the first song is a little rough because it starts off with like immediately like kind of a high pitched thing, sure. But but listen to it. I'm sure you'll love it if you like eight bit music. Fuck yeah, I'm definitely gonna do that. I've I uh I've always thought that you know because I love the movie so much. I thought I should read the graphic novel, but then I really don't like the the. Anim- you don't like the, the art style. The art style. Man, it's so like kitty and bubbly. And I yeah. feel like I feel like the movie is so like teen angst, you know, like hipster energy that I don't see that in the comic. Dude, it I mean the comic is hipstery to a fault. Okay, so maybe I would dig it. But I I don't know if you can get past it, give it a chance, but what are what are your narnucks and two bonus nugs? Okay. Well, I want to get into yours. Like I I want to like be able to, you know, kind of flesh them out a little bit but mine oh, all right. are silhouette uh-huh and paper tigers were my top two yes this is i feel like we never share nar nugs on an album yeah it's been rare <laughs> lately <laughs> uh, but dude dude I paper mean, tigers is incredible we can we can start with paper tigers that song goes so hard that fucking the drums in the beginning like crazy roles he's doing and that badass guitar yeah. riff that's doing it at the same time oh dude and then the vocals come in. it's just such it's such a headbang song man it's so like the syncopated hits yes yeah like they uh dude yeah and this song doesn't let up either it's so fucking good oh yeah i love his scream dude 
and he's this like this whole song is kind of a reference to an interview with Mao Zedong from mm-hmm. 1946. I never right? knew what Paper Tigers meant, so I was glad to, to see that annotation. It's us, apparently. Oh, it's 100% us. So congrats to us. Yeah, Paper Tigers are superficially fierce and unable to withstand external force. So we talk a big game and we fucking, you know, the slightest breeze will blow us over. Well, that's kind of BS, though, because we invest so much money into our military that I don't know how that's possible. But Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a big thing. It's like, we're not very effective. So that's true. Yeah. So I feel like, and we do get like, we're very touchy, you know? So like where a tiger is just like fucking relentless and brutal. America's just like, eh, you can't say that about us. Yeah. <laughs> Cross we're our arms. So touchy, man. Dude. That's incredible. Light the world on fire. Just to watch that burn. Oh man. Does it fucking, doesn't Alfred say that about the Joker in the dark night? Some people just want to watch the world burn, yeah. I think is the quote. I feel like they stole that from, from Thrice. I think they did too, man. I think they. I think Batman stole a lot from Thrice, but that's a podcast for another time. Yeah, let's be fair here. <laughs> but yeah, dude, the, the, the bass line during the chorus is so good. Oh, dude, and uh, during the bridge. Yeah. Where he's kind of he, I think he's doing the same. The do 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 and the chorus and the bridge both like they kind of open it up a little bit, and they have like all this ethereal, yeah, soundscape synth shit going on in the background, and all those like really great background vocals. Yeah, dude. And man, I, what I was looking at the lyrics of this album, and I don't know if you ever get this feeling, but. It, it, looking at lyrics like uh you know like the the first track that comes on uh cold hearts and paper tiger and all these songs it's a little disheartening isn't it that people have been talking about this stuff since 2003 and not a single thing has changed about it if it, yeah i mean if anything it's like gotten worse in a lot of ways oh yeah um, yeah, man. That's why I feel like a lot of these bands are still talking about the same shit because it's like nothing's. We haven't progressed really as a as a as a people, as a culture, yeah. as a society. Yeah, it's a bummer. It was it, like I feel like the last few episodes we've done, I've been able to focus a lot more on like the music part of the albums and and a lot less yeah. on like the interpretation of the lyrics. But I think Dustin's lyrics are just like they lend really well to. Um, analyze to analysis you know and i feel like he's so clear with what he's saying and the message that he's trying to get across that it's just it's so of the times like you know i i i really like paper tigers was one that was just like that i mean the end where he's saying we paid the price we paid for their crimes with our blood yeah and with our blood and that badass fucking double bass like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so fucking intense, and it's just like you can hear the fucking anger. And the yeah, when he when he goes light the world on fire just to watch it burn, it'll be their funeral pyre. Pyre, but they never seem to learn. It's like these these guys are. I read that as these guys are killing us. The people in power are literally destroying our earth and killing us, and they're gonna go down with it. You know. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, they don't realize like how much they're hurting themselves in the long run. 
Unless they already got a plan, a rocket ship to Mars or whatever, you know, and that's why they're so callous. This, this uh, Paper Tigers reminded me a lot of, um, dude, what was the fucking at all cost song where it's like the government talking to the people and the people talking back? Oh, goodness. With like the marching beat. Yeah. This reminded me of that a lot. Like the theme felt very. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like this is from the perspective of the people rather than, you know, the people that aren't in charge screaming back to the people who are in charge. And it's just like saying like they preach to the choir, like they're preaching to us. And it's just like, we're just fucking kind of like just gobbling it up, you know? Yeah. And, and there are a lot of, uh, themes that are shared on the last song. Don't tell and we won't ask, which was like yeah. my third, uh, nug. If I could have chosen one where, where it's like, they're just telling us what they, you know, what they know we want and they know, they don't want us to think for ourselves. They want us to just believe whatever they're doing is the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's where we, you know, we were talking about the, uh, the indoctrination on a previous episode too, where it's just like, we've been told our whole lives that the government, everything that the government does is right. Yeah. So to grow up yeah. and, and have that, that kind of that facade kind of breaks down a little bit in front of you and you're just, it's a really hard thing to fucking accept. And then you realize it's a like, hard pill to swallow that some people still refuse to swallow. Yeah. It's, it's weird that more people now are embracing authoritarianism than ever in, in the U S and it's like uh very scary to see like how people are embracing authoritarianism just from the fact that the other half of the people don't want it. So it's like mm. 50% of the country only wants what the other people don't want just to be against, you know, <laughs> Like that's what it feels like to me. So it's just like, they're not even, there's not a lot of thought being put into it. It's just whatever the Dems want, the Republicans don't, whatever progressives want, the conservatives don't. And I feel like Republicans and conservatives are a lot more in the camp of, we're just going to say no because you're fucking, because you want it, you know, and we're not supposed to agree with you on anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, we've historically literally seen that happen in our own government. Right. Yeah. and it's how are we supposed to get anything done? Exactly, know? dude. It's like literally the only reason that any positive changes have been made uh, with a, with a new leadership is because we that new leadership has um, the majority in every fucking aspect of our government right now. So it's, if if yeah. that majority wasn't there, nothing would be getting done purely because of politics. And, and just being against the other person just because I'm supposed to be against you. Like, are you really it's, telling me that you're against uh, protecting women from violence? Like, are you really telling me that you're against, um, you know, racist uh, violence and that you're that in that you support supremacy of any race over another? Like, are you really telling me that's what you stand for or are you standing for that? purely just to contradict and to be against what that little fucking, you know, little pansy wants me to fucking believe in. That's literally what's happened with the recent Dr. Seuss thing. Yeah. Right. Is that there are these books that are just like objectively bad books, like pro Nazi, anti Japanese, like anti Asian books that Dr. Seuss wrote. Anti-Semitic people with like really big noses and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
because the publisher isn't publishing those anymore, suddenly everyone's up in arms saying that we've canceled Dr. Seuss, quote unquote. And wasn't it the publisher's choice? It was the publisher's choice. And Dr. Seuss, like, later he, he like, kind of found the error of his ways and he apologized, which still doesn't really make up for all this, all the crappy published but, pe- but people should be allowed to change right and learn from their mistakes i think that's the issue with cancel culture is like if you learned and you're and you're a better person now then we should accept that instead of just holding your feet to the fire that is no well you said it or no well you fucking produced this piece of work that you know is horrible and it's just like the people need to be able to learn from their mistakes and we have to like accept them for that you know i feel like there's yeah the like cancel but, culture is definitely like it can be toxic but no for sure yeah but like no one's even no one nobody's canceled Dr. yeah Seuss. no one's fucking yeah but no one pushed just for this. because it just because they've stopped publishing some books and stopped promoting some books suddenly they think it's canceled they're making a big deal out of this and it's just a it, uh, it's just a bag it's just an orboros you know, yeah. it's just a, yeah, it's just an endless cycle. For uh, sure. But I'll, let me let me get to a couple things on "Stare at the Sun," uh, which is a great it, song. Despite me, despite I feel like it's it's like my least favorite on the album. I still love that song. I think it's great. I love the, I it, I wonder what effects they're using on the guitars on the intro. Yeah, I love it. Is is it like reverse? Maybe. Yeah, it's like some. It's like a very very barely reversed thing. You know, just for the attack. Yeah. Uh, and then the the bass comes in with that, ugh. And uh, the simple uh, the drums lyrics, that are great. I feel like these are my favorite lyrics on the album, just personally for me. Uh, I sit here clutching useless lists, keys for doors that don't exist. I crack my teeth on pearls. Yeah. It's like I like I feel that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like materialistic. Like, is this really what it's? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Just be and. and- yeah. It just like a general confusion on like what we're supposed to keep and what's important and what isn't, what's useless and the chorus explodes into it's an explosive epic chorus. Uh I'll stare straight into the sun. I won't close my eyes till I understand or go blind. Uh and I thought that was like a religious thing too. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure for him it's it's partly religious, but for me it's it's like I just want to find this truth. I just want to find what I'm supposed to do, and even if it hurts me, right. you know, I'm gonna try to seek it. Yeah, it's uh like looking for meaning in life, which is like what a lot of religions are looking for, right? It's like, why are we here? Like, what's the point of all of it? Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's like looking for meaning beyond just that. It's just like, what is it like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life and how can I contribute to a better life for not just myself, but like people around me. And I really love the lines where he says, um, I see the parts, but not the whole. I studied saints and scholars both, but no perfect plan unfurls. Mm-hmm. Like, do I trust my heart or just my mind? Why is truth so hard to find? It's really like, it's, I feel the, the feeling of like being lost. Like I, I yeah. definitely connect with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of, I think it's a part of our generation too. That's like, that's a new thing. It's like trying to find meaning, um, with what we're doing in every aspect of our lives where right. for so long it was just like, 
you work, you provide and you live your life. And you know, if you have a house and your kids are eating, then you've done well, which I is, is still valid. But I think something that our generation and probably people that are younger that are coming up behind us, which you're, you know, you're in the younger generation. Like, um, I think you're, it's looking for a lot more of just like, I don't want to just make sure that my life is good. I want to make sure that everyone's life is good. And that's something that the, that our parents, I don't think connect with very much. Well, it's, it's partly that. And also partly it may, my parents grew up under a lot harsher conditions. I think all of our parents grew up under harsher conditions and it molded them into these people that like, I'm going to do this job and I might like it or I might not, but it's going to be a thing. It's just part of my life. Yeah. Make sure that your kids go to college. Make sure that your kids are eating, you know? And when it comes to anyone else's, it's like, well, that's for them to fucking worry about. (laughs) But I don't know. That's, that's why this song speaks to me a lot. Uh, yeah. And this one's like probably the least heavy on the album too. Right. This is, I think this is one of the singles. Like this is like the, one of the more accessible songs on the record. I would say that maybe all that's left, maybe artist in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. I think all that's left in Sarah, the sun were the two, um, singles. And, uh, speaking of all that's left, like, I just got to say that, uh, like that harmony on the chorus, whereas try to bleed his acres, but it bleed our hearts instead. Yeah. Instead. It's just like so satisfying. Yeah. I love that part in particular. Uh, you said your other main, uh, nug was silhouette. Dude. <laughs> and that's, I could see why I can understand why you picked that. Oh my God. I, even just the first thing that you hear, just that, that, snare that yeah that hard flam and then that like and it's so catchy and it's so heavy and the riff is fucking brutal and and uh and then but it also it's like this one also allows itself to kind of open up a little bit and it lets up a little before it gets into the chorus um (laughs) yeah yeah where it gets real dirty dude the core is like, your eyes slit the throat. It's like, ah, uh, just his, like, I, I can't get enough of his, of his scream on this, on this album, dude. It's, it's very choice, man. I like his screams are, are quality. And he, you really feel like, you know, there are some bands that it's just like, well, I scream. I'm the screamer. That's what I do. And like, you don't really feel the emotion behind it. Yeah. He legitimately right. fucking sounds pissed off when he's screaming or sad or scared or whatever. Like he conveys a lot of emotion in that scream. Well, it's interesting on this song in particular cuz he's uh he's kind of talking about someone who's seeing through him, right? And who could see the true him. Right. Yeah. And lyrics about so, like being vulnerable and like scared that someone can like see through your bullshit. Yeah, so maybe the scream is is kind of a scream of fear, honestly, because I I don't think it's anger because he talks about how it is, it it is kind of good for him that yeah. someone can see this about him, and I don't think it's frustration. I think you know? I think it is fear of just like, dude, you're you're like, I wish that you couldn't see through me, you know, like where he says like, your eyes slit the throat of all I know about myself. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's yeah, it's you can see through my bullshit, and that then that would kind of scare someone, right? And maybe even stuff that I can't see myself, right? Yeah, and oh, dude, the the bridge where he's just like it just breaks down. Speaking in tongues, yeah, vigilance still always your eyes. It's just like <laughs> ah, just those those choice moments of double bass, dude. Like the drummer killed it on this song. Oh yeah, I would say like, you know, that riff is fucking dope. The guitar riff on this song is fucking killer, but the mm-hmm. drums and the and the vocals are what make this song. For sure, I mean the the importance of this dude's vocals can't be understated. You know, it would be. I feel like it'd be a whole different sounding song if some. If, if his lyrics weren't in here, if his voice wasn't on here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't imagine anyone else. Yeah, his vocals make every song better. For sure. Um, so what were those What were those little two bonus nugs? Well, uh, yeah, the two bonus nugs for me were um, Blood Clots and Black Holes. Mm. I really love the riff on that song, and I love that it goes from like this mid-tempo kind of uh, metalcore-y rhythm to super, it super super metalcore super yeah. metalcore right and then it goes into almost like a hardcore punk thing like right after and that intro that uh-huh. and the killer fucking drums and then it just like bah, 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 fucking like opens up uh all that's great it seems and and i think the the lyric like the theme in it like a kind of i think he's talking about like self-harm and and kind of yeah. the you know being vulnerable as uh, in a society or a culture that doesn't really value um, vul- a man being vulnerable, you know, like to be mm-hmm. at peace would be a, si- sure. a sin and surely un-American. I think is such a cool line. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that one was cool too. The song is just so it's so emotional. It's so good, and it's and it's also like you can say that about all these songs that it's just it's heavy and catchy at the same time. And there's a lot, I would say there's a lot more pop punk elements on Blood Clots and Black Holes than some of the other songs. And yeah, and it is, it, 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 these, there are a lot of catchy songs on here, which is weird that they're not, I guess, more mainstream than they are. I, right. I wouldn't say they're not famous. Yeah, I mean, but... with a million play, a million listeners, I think Slipknot has something like two million. So you think like someone who has so much uh, mainstream clout like Slipknot does, like you would think Thrice would be a, a bigger name. That well, especially since they're still kind of going today, right? Oh yeah, dude. I think the last album they put out was in 2019, so they're probably due for another one. Well, I wonder if it's. I wonder if they like kind of having a cult following, right? I would tell you, man. In Austin. I never see people wearing a thrice shirt. I never hear anyone talking about thrice, but when they come through their shows sell out. <laughs> so they are beloved at least in this town. And I don't know why, but it's something that like, you don't, yeah. Like you said, like, you know, the band, you know, the name, but like, who do you know that listens to them? No one. I have, t- Nobody. I have one. I have two really good friends that I know love thrice. And outside of them, it's just like, I don't hear anyone else talk about them. And my my other uh, semi choice snug, I guess you can call it, is the Abolition of Man, mm. the second to last track on the album. It's just another like 
really heavy. I love the fucking lead guitar work that the that um, the guy's doing on on this like just kind of like background, just three or four notes that he's just playing in the background during the chorus that are just like blend in so well. It has really good synth in it going throughout the whole thing. And Dustin's voice is just like haunting on the abolition demand. I love the punk energy on the, on abolition. Yeah. It's in it. The way it like when they do those hits into the harder section after the intro. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. It's just that's, so that's tasty. a thing of beauty that ugh, dude, what is that? What is it called when the drummer is doing those, the snare hits, but he's almost doing like two really quick ones. At the same time, that's a flam. A flam. <laughs> it's pretty silly name for something that goes so hard. It kind of sounds like a flam. Like Maybe flam, you know, flam, yeah, flam, 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 flam. It kind of, it. I like it. It works, dude. That's one of like my favorite like little things that drummers will do, and I love that this song starts with the drummer oh. doing it fucking perfectly Just for like, ga, 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 yeah, ga, ga, for like four yeah. measures. He's doing it perfectly. Doesn't doesn't do it differently <laughs> at all for four entire measures. But did you have any other like? Um, did you have any secondary nugs? Uh like because you I mean, love the other songs. You love "Staring to the Sun" and "Paper Tigers," right? Those were your, those were your two yeah. biggest. Uh, I was also uh, <laughs> privy is not the right word, but I I also liked all that's left and uh, don't tell and we won't ask. Yeah, I I really like the lyrics on "Don't Tell." It's cool, right? It's like um it's all about like war and and basically killing innocent people. Yeah, and uh the chorus where it's it, like I still haven't completely wrapped my mind around it, but uh if it comes to murder, don't tell and we won't ask how you sleep at night. Yeah. You know, and that just seems like so like I don't know, like dystopian. It seems so American government to me. It really does. It really <laughs> does feel like, uh, from the perspective of like a war veteran that it's just like, Hey man, we know that you killed people, but like, if you don't bring it up, we're not going to ask, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, uh, and that's the one that he pulls out a Bible verse. Where is that? Let me see if I can, if I can find exactly where he does it. Um, but yeah, don't ask him. We won't don't tell him. We won't ask is, is great. And, um, it's super catchy. The chorus is so catchy. Let's go out and you're yeah. all alone. Uh, let me see. Where does he pull out the... Um... Oh, there it is. Remember, conscience comes before the fall. So it's mm. a, a parallel to the to a Bible verse that says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. <laughs> but in this case, it's a conscience. It's speaking for your... Thinking for yourself. And trying to discern for yourself what's right and wrong comes before the fall in war. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe even the fall of like your own like fucking mental health where you fucking, you know, once you kind of get out of that environment where you're just scared for your life. So you're willing to kill so you don't get killed. And then you come back mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, my God, dude, I just, you know, you deal with like the most high stress situation that you could possibly think of where you're being hunted almost or they fucking right. make you feel like it. And it's and like, isn't that something they say in the military at the time? It's like, it's either you or them. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, it, and that's kind of how it is. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really we, like, yeah, I think it's, it's really scary. Um, and just like how some people will volunteer to be in, involved in something like that. 
and then they come back fucked up, man. It's it's. Oh yeah, I mean, hard to see that. It, yeah, but on a more positive note, this album brings me back so much to uh, Warp Tour two thousand and four. I want to say. Oh, I'm gonna look up the lineup for that. Did you go to the said Warp Tour? Oh yeah, when they went to Houston. Dang. And when we first got there, it was outside in the middle of summer. Sure. That was fucking rough. But Thrice was there and they opened up with Silhouette. And it was like we had just gotten in, we had just gotten into the place and we're all meeting up and we're like, all right, who's gonna go where? Who wants to go see what band? And blah blah. And then we just hear Dananik. And me and my friend Aaron just looked at each other and we're like, ah, fuck. And just started running to the stage. Oh shit, it's thrice. Oh, dude, it was such a uh, such a great way to start the day. And like, but dude, Anti-Flag was there. Bouncing Souls, Ooh. No Effects, Newfound Glory. Uh, I mean, Jeez. and these are just bands that like I was excited to see. Fucking Alkaline Trio, Bad Religion. Yeah, let me let me get on this. Let me see what bands are warped toward 2004. Yeah, Flogging Molly. Ooh. Um, and then, you know, there's bands like I didn't really care much about, but it, like Thursday, Yellow Card, um, My Chemical Romance was there. Avenged Sevenfold was there. Oh, man. You have no idea. I freaking lost my, my shit. My Chemical Romance, The Use, Simple Plan. <laughs> little Simple Plan, bro. Dude, Motion. All American Rejects. Motion bro. City Soundtrack. I used to love them. Coheed and Cambria, Good Charlotte. Yep. Uh, The Vandals. Yeah, the Shit. Vandals, dude. Yeah, that was crazy. I want to say even Rancid was there, but that might have been a different. Uh, uh, yeah, that might have been I think a different you, one. I don't know if she said Avenged Sevenfold already. Oh, uh, yeah. I was psyched but for that. The matches geez, were there. Man. I was fucking psyched for the matches. The matches this would is, be a, a good album to talk to talk about. Who are, what, what is that? They are uh, pop punk. But okay. like. I would under say Oath is there baby yeah under oath yep um i would say the matches are like a precursor to um panic at the disco really but not they're not as theatrical but they're they've they've teeter on the on that line a little bit and i really really like them um they're really a really unique pop punk band unfortunately they're not together anymore right oh, man i yeah, did you ever go the to Warp Tour, man? No, because uh, all the latest Warp Tours that I would have gone they to sucked. Was like it was nothing I w- I wanted to see. It was a lot you know? of like bands like Bring Me the Horizon and Between the Buried and Me and shit, like a bunch of stuff that like I don't I would I would and more hip hop, like way stuff that I wouldn't expect to hear at Warp Tour. I feel like the hip hop would be the stuff I'd rather see, right? Because. Like I don't like I don't know about these other guys. Like I don't know about asking Alexandria or, uh, I don't know, sleeping with sirens or whatever. Yeah, I'm not into that stuff. And that seemed like it took over, dude. Yeah, Taking Back Sunday. Uh, apparently Thrice played 2019. I believe That's it. Insane. I believe it. Man, my first Warp Tour was 2002, and uh. It was just one of the best experiences, dude. AFI. Uh, I remember Good Charlotte played either right before. The anthem. <laughs> I used to love Good Charlotte, first of all. But uh, they played either <laughs> right before or right after No Effects. And Fat Mike was talking so much shit. 
Oh gosh. He was su- he is such an asshole, but like an asshole that I hate to love, you know? Yeah, I get it. I I I got a beef with no effects. Not really. I just hate that they don't stop talking when they play. Yeah. That's the thing. You know? Fat Mike can't keep his fucking mouth shut, dude. <laughs> but I heard his uh, autobiography is, or his memoir or whatever. I heard it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I read the no effects uh, autobiography, the uh, like the shit stained bathtub or whatever. I think that's the one I'm talking about because my friend was listening to the audio book and he says that every chapter is written by a different member of the band. And so they read their chapter on yeah. the audio book. So yeah, that's the one. Yeah. It's the hepatitis bathtub and other stories. <laughs> is that where he talks about like drinking pee? Yeah. He drinks like a cup of piss or something. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? And it's, it it also like, I had no idea that like, I mean, they're dealing with all kinds of drugs and like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad. Right. But yeah, but now fat whatever. Mike is like, um, I don't think crossdresser is the, is the right term. No, I think that's, I think that's, that might be a little derogatory. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, they've like yeah. made a better name for it, but yeah, he likes to wear woman's clothing and i think he just got out of uh like a like a clinic like a like rehab you know something that huh rehab or yeah yeah i think he just got out of, and i think no effects just released a new album after he got out i've heard that some of their some of their latest stuff has actually been pretty good i haven't listened to them since they did um the war on errorism i think they kind of lost me around that time <laughs> well i i am not one to keep up with no effects i do i i think you did put uh punk and drublick i had on to. your list and that's my favorite album yes dude well, we should definitely talk about that um i love punk and drublick and and my other favorite album it might be above punk and drublick uh but it'd be hard to kind of it's weird it's that 45 or 46 other songs record is um it's the second are, one the the like the short songs for short people or whatever is that what you're talking um, no, about? No, it's the it's the it's like a bunch of B sides, right? But there's two there's two out uh, records on it. So one is like minute minute and a half long, like really shitty recorded uh, punk songs, and the second half are just like ones that I feel like were better than a lot of the shit that they actually put out on the records. <laughs> That's my favorite, like Pods and Gods, um, and uh, Timmy the Turtle. And a few other songs on, on that one. But I thought it would be weird because it's not. I think one's like called Catching Z's and the other one's something else. And I almost suggested that one. But I'm like, it's weird because we'd have to call it the 45 or 46 other songs. But then we're only going to be talking about one of the two albums. So I thought it wasn't worth mm. really bringing up. But I love that record. Punk and Drubbuck is how I got into them. So that's just like going to be a classic for me always. I mean, same way. It, dude, uh, do you remember the punk and drublick tour they were doing a couple years ago no did they was there like a 20 year anniversary or something yeah it was something like that they were coming to austin and i had tickets i had tickets for me and my friends and they canceled because they never actually got clearance to like play at the venue what (laughs) they just put out these dates they just put out some dates and it sucks because my dad it was at the uh like in the backyard of the chronicle or something. Okay. And that was literally where my dad worked. Huh. Uh, so he was able to like snatch some free tickets. And 
they like they just didn't have the permit or something so fuck? we never got to see it uh that would have been so cool to see the bruise live uh we're the bruise sporting anti-swastika tattoos oi oi <laughs> that's a great fucking record man Oh man! And this uh, was a but, great record. I'm so glad you liked it, dude. And I'm I, I'm super curious where you're gonna rate it. Well, I don't think it'll be out of the realm of what you would think. I think I'm gonna rate it a seven point four. Fuck yeah, that's better than I thought you were gonna do. Because <laughs> I had it was originally gonna be a seven, but as we were kind of talking through, I was as I was listening again, I was like. I don't know, like, like whenever we go through these episodes, man, for some reason, it just like, it it adds a couple. I sell points. you, dude. I sell you on it. You, you're you're selling me. I'm a fucking dirty <laughs> used car salesman. Like, what can I do to get you into this album today? <laughs> what can I do to get you into a seven point five? <laughs> yeah, uh, seven point five, dude. That's solid. That's a solid score. And when, what would you give it, pray tell? I think you know it's going to be a nine point something at this point. Um, again, it's one of my favorite albums ever. It's uh, it's the album that got me into Thrice. It's the album that probably opened the doors to metalcore for me because it was after I heard this that I started hearing Kill Switch and All That Remains and bands like those. So they kind of like opened mm-hmm. that door for me a little bit. And so I would have to give this a only because Stare at the Sun and honestly all that's left are like the two weaker songs for me on the record. So like the fact that I consider a couple songs to be kind of weak, I'd have to give it like a 9.2. All right. Well, I don't think they're going to get too mad at you for that. And, and no. And I think also like caveat, I don't skip those songs. I still like them, but they're just like, you know, if I could do without, it would be a couple of songs. Um, and the, most of the records that like I've given nine point something is it's like, I love every fucking song. Like it's hard to pick a choice nug. This one is just, I was able to pick out a couple that kind of were flyover songs for me, but yeah, man, 9.2. I love this record. And I, lo- I really, I'm happy that you dug it too. I, I was a little worried. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad I liked it, man. Cause honestly, I feel like I have such a picky brain. I have such a picky taste when it comes to music. Same, dude. Me uh, too. I don't know what it is. I but, think we're uh, just we're. I think we're. Uh, we expect quality. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I just always expect something to like blow my mind or something. Something has to be but, new, right? When you hear it. Yeah, but like most of the stuff I listen to is about as fake as a three dollar bill. You know. Oh, baby. Well, that is a great transition to. The next album that we're going to be talking about with, I hope, a guest. <laughs> he's a he's a specter of the night. He's been, a, he's he's been is, elusive. You might recognize him for, as uh, he uh, plays Tony, Tony the Tiger in our friend group. Yes, he's a, he might be a little Frosted Flake, um, but he is a very good friend of ours. Our friend uh, Luis Roa plays bass in Mortalis. Great guy, and he shares my love for $3 bill y'all by Limp Biscuit. I still will jam that record unironically, but I'll probably do it tonight. Now that you brought it up. The day I found out that, that everybody, every member of Mortales loves that album. It just blew like, I, what? And you didn't, you like, never why? really listened to it, right? Like you probably heard the singles. 
I mean, by now I've listened to it because I knew we were kind of doing this in advance, but I, yeah, I'd only heard like the singles from Limp Biscuit and maybe a couple deep cuts, but that was about it. I had no idea this album. The passion would, we had yeah. for it. Oh, God. I, yeah, uh, I love that record. So we're going to be talking about $3 Bill, y'all, and I'm so excited. Be sure to be sure to tune in. We also have another guest uh, who we will keep a secret until uh, the next episode. Yes. Uh, you know, just so people can know, I don't know, is it, is it Michael Jordan? Is it Dave Grohl? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's someone like that. I think it's about the same. I think, um, Getty Lee, you're getting warmer. Getty Lee. (laughs) You're getting getting warmer already. Uh, be sure to, if you're, if you want your voice to be heard on the podcast, comment on, you, you can comment on any any platform itunes podbean we have a youtube mm-hmm. uh if you want your voice heard if you want to spread the word we are ebp cast on instagram on on instagram you can also contact our personal instagrams with jean-luc guitard yep. and brett hanrahan if you don't want to figure out how on earth you spell that username <laughs> jean-luc guitard is not easier Uh, But yeah, yeah. Fucking follow us on Instagram. Tell your friends about it. Let us know what you thought of this episode. And um, yeah, man, we want to get y'all more involved. We want to hear y'all's roasts of us. If, uh, (laughs) if you have anything to fucking say, or if you just want, if you just think it's a funny bit that every episode we beg you to comment and every episode, we never get a comment. You know, that's fun too. Yeah. It's not fun for me, (laughs) but it's fun for you. I think, I think it's funny. I'm going to rate this episode a 9.2. Dude, I was thinking the exact same thing. Buddy, this was good. Lucas, this was good. And a three, and a two, and a one.